<laughs> well, who's, who's bringing us in today? Anyways, I'll do it. This is Dave Sobel with uh, Real Estate Realities, New Radio Media, and I'm here with my broad pa- broadcast partner, uh, Dylan Tanaka, and I think Emil should be walking in shortly. So how's it going on this nice, sunny, hot September day? It's amazing. It's beautiful out, yeah, isn't it's, it? Uh, uh, we had a little cold snap there, and I thought it was going to end, but uh, I think summer's back, and um, the deals are flowing. We had a great show last week with Erica from oh, yeah. uh, Michigan Investment Title. Right. I think was, she's uh, taking care of a couple things actually for both of us. Right. So um, for you real estate investors out there, if you're looking for a uh, an investor-specific title right. company. Because we deal with a lot of, you know, that's the interesting thing about this business. You, you know, we deal with some really great title people, sure. uh, producers. Um, I think we had Keith Stonehouse on here from yeah. Franklin Title a couple months ago. And uh, his, his program, uh, Michigan Real Estate Masterminds as well. And so when you when you deal with these different you know, professionals, they also have a niche. So that's what was sure. so good about Erica, you know, being with us last week. She Her niche is really real estate investors. Which is odd because uh, most real estate agents don't like to work with investors. Mm-hmm. Mortgage guys or girls don't like to work with well, investors unless right. ones who are niche focused, like right. you said. And it's so attorneys. Right. Well, I like working you're, with real estate investors. Because definitely. you're a genius. Yeah. Well, I love just hearing, say it again. No, I'm just kidding. The genius. The genius. Anyways, um, but it, it really is interesting because when you when you you know I, I did start working with Erica on a, on a deal and it was really actually very insightful and um, and actually very kind of rewarding. Like I just I didn't have to explain too much. I just said, hey, this is what I need dealing with sure. the property tax issue. Um, I think that you know it's a little bit more labor intensive. You know, it's not vanilla paper. That's the reason why. You know, that's the niche. That's why she's successful. But right. it really, you know, we're talking today. One of the topics today we were going to talk about was just. Know, being in the business of real estate, being an entrepreneur, and I think she found a niche, you know, as an entrepreneur in the real estate business, right? Entrepreneurs were just problem solvers, right? And um, I mean, it's interesting. I, I know you know this because you you contributed to the newsletter. We mm-hmm. do that proven resource newsletter every month. It's around sixty eight pages. It's got a lot of great information in it uh, related to real estate as well as you know other legal items and just you know, kind of fluffy pieces. Sure, too. very easy to read and you contributed last month or really it's this month's newsletter dealing with being an entrepreneur being uh starting out in the business of real estate and the topic that you wrote about which was really uh, quite intriguing was fear right well getting started is tough and um, not everyone who is jumping into starting their own business is 18 or 19 years old Mm -hmm. you know they might be 30 50 60 70 We've met multiple entrepreneurs who start out in their 60s. They say Colonel Sanders, I don't know, this, what is he? It was in the 70s, right? Yeah, I saw the now movie. He's, he's sold more chicken than uh, wh- whomever, I don't know, Tyson. No, that but, was Ray Kroc. I'm right, sorry. Ray Kroc. <laughs> Ray Kroc. But, um, yeah, I mean, fear creeps in, and I think um, I was just speaking with someone today about it. You have to be able to compartmentalize things when you're an entrepreneur, just like you do in, in regular life. Mm-hmm. But you have to look at, at every situation in its own without bringing emotion in from other situations. And it's until um, until you're faced with that, you don't learn how to do that naturally. Right. You have to. It's like you have to walk before you can run. Right. Sure. That's and so everybody's fearful in the beginning, especially real estate. Such big numbers, a mm-hmm. lot of different moving parts. I always equate it to like a a lady at a circus. She's got those spinning plates. Right. And she's just getting them all going. You know, and you have to you have to know how to balance all those plates and, and attend to them. And real estate is one of those areas that just has so many moving parts, so many different, you know, vendors and 
individuals. Yeah, a lot the of legal side, okay, the construction side. Mm-hmm. Then how how do you know what a good deal is? You know, I mean, there's just there's so many different different were you, facets. Were you thinking about that to yourself when they were throwing pennies down to you at your? <laughs> I think it, you were telling us that story a couple episodes ago. What was yeah, that? My, my first tenant he used to pay with a a, a little baggie full of cash, mm-hmm. and sometimes there were nickels in there, and I think yeah. he'd throw them down from his perch, and I was so excited to collect my rent, my shekels. <laughs> Did they ever fall on the cement and you're like picking? I'd them have up? to pick them up. Yeah, <laughs> I, I learned the hard way. He had way. you well trained. <laughs> That's that's really sad. That's you know? what happens when you're a landlord in your twenties. Right, right, sure. You, you you're learn. riding you're riding your bike to go pick your rent up. <laughs> you learn while you earn. Right. You know, so but but what do you learn? Like, you know, the next tenant you're not gonna take nickels. Oh sure. Right? Yeah, I'm at least gonna ask for singles. Right. Well, you know, some people, um I, I deal with some investors, they'll just give they open up a specific account. I don't know if you've done that, but yes. I'm sure people will listen. Certain banks are, are yeah. frowned upon it, but like Chase will let you do it, and they're right. a giant bank. Of, of course. They're it's everywhere. Just, it's, you say to your tenant, hey, go open an account. And, and technology is uh, so different now. We're so lucky. We talk about apps, and we have fun with software all the time, and, and you can get lost in it. But oh, yeah. there's so many different payment portals. And when you have um, when you have investment properties in, in a little bit higher-end neighborhoods, too, the people don't want to deal with you. So they're happy to press a button and send their rent. See, I think the threat, you know, just in general, I think the threshold of fear, which, you know, blocks or, or keeps people from entering the business, no matter what the business is, it can be any, you know, it can be a franchise, whatever you want. But I think that threshold, uh, because of the Internet and because of YouTube and so much information out there, has really, that barrier to businesses come down. If you, sure, was it? I don't know if it was you today or somebody else who I was talking to this morning on my way in. Uh, they were telling me something. I said, I don't even think you have to do that. Just go on YouTube. Oh, right, and learn oh, it. No, it was, it was actually somebody very close to me um, in a completely different business. And he, he uh, again, there's that element of fear. And he's like, I don't know. I should go and take a look. You know, it was uh, another type of process. And I said, well, you can go down there and you can stand around. But I think that's kind of a waste of time. Why don't you go online and find – uh, or read, but maybe you can find YouTube. A lot of these younger people like YouTube. There's somebody out there teaching a course, or you know, Udemy oh, program, sure. whatever you call it. They'll Technology. teach you how to make a how to, how to make a potato gun. Yeah, our producer here is is shaking his head. Yes, yep. All right. you know it. Yeah, DIY videos oh. on YouTube University. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, so. it's it's the easier way. And for those of you who want to become experts in in certain areas, uh-huh. you can create videos before you're an expert. Right. So you have to be careful who you're right. lear- learning from and paying attention to. Right. Especially the legal side with real estate or any business. Sure. We talk about it all the time. Again, pay me now or pay me later. And, and as I grow grayer and wiser. But business evolves too. And I'll, you know, it's interesting. Today's guest, who should be calling in shortly, uh, he's going to talk really about the evolution of his real estate business. He's a you know, significant <coughs> real estate investor out of California, Rick Webster. And he started one way, and he's going to get into a... Uh, were you supposed to push the cough button? I or pushed something? the wrong cough button. That's okay. You push that one next door. Oh, I push them both. Oh, there you go. Anyways, uh, <laughs> we like to have fun we, on we the have show. Fun, right? I mean, this is easy. Um, but so, anyways, he's who, what was I saying? Oh no, Rick Webster is going to join us, and and it's really interesting because I, I deal with Rick. I have full disclosure. Um, um, I work with him uh, on some of his deals, and, and we is, talk, he, is he national? Yeah. Okay. And. and um, we were talking, and I said, well, you know, when you come on today, we can talk about this. And he goes, oh, yeah, I do want to talk about that, but, you know, now we're doing this too. Because, like everything, it evolves. Business evolves. Sure. But you can't evolve unless you have knowledge because you don't know you're evolving too, right? Right. So it starts with fear, 
I'm just going based off your article, Dylan. Right. You know, it all starts with fear, and then how do you get yourself out there? I wrote that article about 4.30 in the morning, so I don't know how much coffee I'd had at that point. I don't know. We cleaned it up pretty nicely. I think right. it came out good. <laughs> I sent it to the editor. Yeah, no, I, th- I think it came out good, really good. Um, you know, uh, I just remember my first, you know, I used to do, well, I still do, but uh, I engage in lending and mm-hmm. land contracts and stuff, and I remember the first time I ever uh, l- put my first dollar out on a transaction on a land contract. Uh, I probably went through that land contract, you know, 30 or 40 times making sure, you know. And then, you know, you wake up in cold sweats, you know, you're like, oh, did I do it right? And in fact, we had a guest here, Tiffany Turrentine. Sure. Right, who's a realtor who, you know, T- loves to sell Shout property. out to Tiffany T. Yeah, hi, sh- hi Tiffany. Uh, but that was a great example of somebody who, you know, was doing it for everybody else as a real estate agent. And then right. all of a sudden she's she's compelled to... No, she wants to figure out, hey, can I make money doing this? And she does it, and all of a sudden that microscope's on her, and she oh, was yeah. afraid. You, it, I mean, if you remember, she was afraid. That was episode, what, so long ago, episode? Uh, I think it was episode six. It was in the second 60? and third segment. 60? Okay. <laughs> but, no, you know what? She talked about that. and um, It was a good episode. You know, look it up. Her and I talked about, because I'm a, I'm a broker, mm-hmm. a, a real estate broker, and at times I will do some um, – retail work just for friends or family and i don't even go to the closings and i say everything will be fine i don't have to worry but when it's my 60 grand or right. 250 grand involved right. mm-hmm. i mean i'm i'm there early i'm bringing right. coffees to everybody what right. do we need right uh-huh. making making sure the wheels are greased sure when you're an agent nothing wrong with agents right but it's again we talked about moral hazard the other day right when it's not your money it's a little bit easier to play mm-hmm. yeah so Tiffany's figuring it out, though. I think she's she's going to do really well in the in- investment world. Right. There's, you know, that again. And then what do you learn? It's not fear. It's not being afraid of your tenants. But it's actually after quite a bit of knowledge, you learn you're either a landlord, or you're not cut out to be a landlord. Right. You know, it's a special type of person. So, um, let me ask you this: When it came to, you know, after the pennies, what was the next prog- like the progression? <clears throat> Of uh, investing, like I think what, it was. Do you remember um, the deal, the next deal you did? I did about. Um, I did the first year. I did. I bought one rental, mm-hmm. and then the next year, I think I bought two. And I, my goal was to buy one a year. And by the time I was a hundred, I would have you know whatever eighty of them. But uh, then by the end of the third year, I'd done about seven, and that's when I really got involved in in the investing part of it. Right. Again, this is almost pre-internet. This is uh, this is early two thousand. So YouTube, there were two minute videos. Right. And, um, I remember the first time I, I heard about a real estate investing seminar, I had to call the radio station and get this this website, and it was on dial-up. And, I mean, it, w- it was just right. totally different back then. But right. then um, I think syst- systematizing things is really important, even as, as a landlord. Mm-hmm. So, of course, I had a P.O. box set up right away. You know, I, I went to an attorney and right. had my lease looked at right. 20 times. Right. And they paid, you know, through the mail, and I didn't have to go pick it up anymore. And it's hard to you know to carry a bunch of nickels when they send it to the PO box <laughs> right. in that tray. Yeah, I just got rid of my PO box a couple like probably less than a year ago. Yeah, they're and they're kind of a pain to deal with, I think. Especially if they're if they're at the post office, oh. they're definitely a pain. Just yeah. to get, here in West Bloomfield to get a parking spot, it's always, it was always a pain to get the money. But guess what? You you went and you got the money. Right, that's the most important thing. I think the you know I'll tell you what was a, a we were just talking about this last week and talking about fear. Yeah, is you know the ten-year anniversary of pretty much the Lehman meltdown, and the, and the meltdown of our whole economy. I can tell you uh, that was a very fearful time for so oh, many sure. people, and and uh, 
Um, you could buy the big ba four bank stocks for under ten dollars. That yeah, Bank of America I think was down like to eight dollars or something yeah. like that. It was incredible, and that was a scary time for so many people. But th yet there were so many people that filled the you know filled the void. Uh, I had a lot of property that sure. I was responsible for, both at the banks and then my own portfolio, and then for investors. And I I was that lady with the plates, you know. <laughs> Uh, I was running around, Dancing. not only take, take, right. Right, taking care of my uh, my job at that point, which was all the bank uh, deals, and then running around for, let's say, an investor out of New York, and he had deals that had to be taken care of. It was very tough. Yeah, you, you had to do what you had to do at that point. I mean, I we, a were, lot of people did. we were buying packages of foreclosures from the banks even at that time, and I could just dole them out to all my different investors. Right. I didn't have to do much work. Then I started doing what I called wholetailing. I didn't know that that was a term at mm -hmm. the time. But we would tear out all the paint and carpet and whitewash it so it wasn't stinky. So when these guys would bring their wives there and they'd right. show them the basement, there weren't spiders. You'd get light bulbs in right. there. We would just make it palatable. Uh -huh. But two years earlier, they would snap them up like that. Right. Yeah, That see, that I think because, like, uh, pardon me. <coughs> but, uh, let me get some water. Sorry. Uh, the, um, the problem I had was I was so thick into dealing with just all the defaults, mm -hmm. I had no interest in going out and picking oh, up any properties. Right. So, and then for a couple of years thereafter, it was like being allergic to strawberries. Right. But you ate a strawberry, you know, you get sick, you're not going to sure. pick any up uh, eat, and eat them again. So my fear was to get back involved. It's kind of like riding a bike, but it took a little bit of time to go back out after the market kind of settled, which for me was 2014. Uh, which I think was late to the game because oh, things, sure. right? I mean, I started flipping again in 2010 in Birmingham and Royal Oak. Right, and I was still at the banks at that point. And in 2012, I think that's kind of when things started like turning the corner just a little bit. Mm -hmm. But I just didn't want to put my feet into. I was still afraid. I just, you know, I was like, I don't, you know, these homes are going to sit because sure. they were sitting for me before. You know. Yeah, I think it's about the asset. As um, every 10 years, as as I grow in Doubles, this business, right? yeah, uh, it's um, the guys who are the smartest were the ones who picked up properties really cheap in strong areas that came back immediately. Right. And I think if it ever happens again, hopefully it doesn't, but if it does, I know right where I'm going to be standing but for I don't about think five years. Yeah, but I don't think it's going to happen that way anymore. No. I mean, it's, you know, it's going to, some, it's going to, there's going to be a hiccup. How big it is, it's never going to equate to 2008. Yeah, know? the Fed won't let it happen. Yeah. It's, it's too, it's too much tougher to get mortgages now. Right. It's not impossible by any means, well, but most it's of not the deals, like it was. Most of the risk is all cash, right? So there's a lot of cash on the streets. People are, mm -hmm. you know, they were looking, you know, but now the market's good. So now people are putting their money back in the market. I mean, right. it's, you know, it's a whole different area of, of fear is the stock market. Right. You know, I like to go with what I know, which is real estate. But, um, yeah, that's, so, you know, thanks for the memory lane and coming down right. with me in memory lane. Uh, but, but now, like, I like land contracts. I mean, I still like land contracts. And I make loans to, you know, to investors in land contracts and, and um uh, we'll pick up a home here and there, and I have people I work with to, you know, renovate the house. Mm -hmm. But I don't have like you have a different model. You go in and you fix them up and flip them, or you don't even fix them up. You just wholesale them. Correct. Which is you've been very successful at that. You know, it, it's just. Uh, Do you remember your first one? My first real wholesale. Yeah. Oh sure. Yeah, I would sit in someone's living room and come up with an idea what the price was, and, and you'd always say, how could you buy it so much less that you could resell it to another investor? Right. It's very rarely a homeowner that you're selling it to, but you're selling it to either a landlord or another flipper. Mm -hmm. And and how do you create that middle? And uh, it's there. 
You know, you just you, you have to be able to uh, find people with some motivation and some equity. And you have to see it. Yeah, you have to be able to see it, but you can't steal a house either. So they have to be happy with your offer. Right. And then on the opposite side, the investor, I mean, I just did you one to today before coming in here. Yeah. You know, it was kind of magical. Every time I make money, I feel like it's magic <laughs> because it's right. just it's like it's air. We create it out of thin air. Right. You, you, that's, that's actually a sign of a good entrepreneur. I, though. I just need to create it more often. Right. That's you. always what we're working on, right? Right. You no, know, that's that's the uh, motivation. Exactly. So, um, when we come back, I think uh, we we got the uh, we got to pay some bills. And okay. Everything. But when we get back, I believe Rick will be calling in Rick Webster from Renify, uh, and he'll talk to us a little bit about his platform, which is really unique. Um, I think that uh, like so many different investors out there, so many deals out there. There's so many ways to skin a cat. I mean, there are sure. times people come in and they'll call me on the phone and go, hey, I need to do this type of contract, or can you do this? I just had a lady from D.C. call me, and she's, she needs to do, it's almost like a wraparound mortgage on quite a few properties. And there, there's some hair on it, like there always is, and, and she's telling me this. I'm like, hmm. And at one point, I'm like, wow, that's kind of a unique way of looking at it. I, you know, I've seen a lot. never seen it that way. Sure. And so uh, she has a D.C. council, but, you know, just so people understand that, you know, most attorneys are only licensed in one or two states. Very few are licensed in every state. And therefore, her D.C. counsel can't do any business here in Michigan. And by the same token, I can't do her um, D.C. or uh, Maryland sure. um, business legal work because it's all located there in Maryland. Anyway, so when we get back, we'll uh, speak with Rick and uh, we'll take us out real briefly. This is Dave Sobel, Dylan Tanaka, and we're going to go pay some bills here at New Radio Media. And action. And millions of ducks. You guys go to newradiomedia.com. The Arts and Entertainment Channel on New Radio Media. Dot. At Murray's Park City, we're known for offering customer service you won't get in any chain store or online. But don't take it from me, just listen to what our customers have to say. The employees at Murray's are knowledgeable, courteous. They make you feel like you're at home. Pick up a can of Seafoam Fuel System Treatment for only $6.99 or a 5-quart container of Mobile One Motor Oil for just $28.95. Murray's Park City and Pontiac Trail at Maple Road in Walled Lake. We've got the parts you need when you need them. Hi, I'm Art, and we're the crew at Tuffy Walled Lake. We've been in Walled Lake for 20 years, and through our knowledgeable staff and customer satisfaction, we've become quite the cornerstone in our community and to our discerning customers statewide. We know how important your vehicle is to you, and we take pride in our impeccable, affordable service, and we're trying to get you back on the road as quickly and safely as we possibly can. Please stop in and see why everybody comes from all over to get their car serviced at 784 North Pontiac Trail in Wald Lake. Do you want to see things like this? Did you just say you died? <laughs> <laughs> well... I mean, technically. Or maybe even something like this. We'll do nothing but destroy your corpses and burn them all for my dogs. Your dogs are gone. And sometimes, a little of this. We need to have a talk. <laughs> I take my axe and I smash it. No! <laughs> and check out PodQuesters. 
the show we tackle ghoulish goblins, fiendish foes, and dangerous tricks. Oh, like the singer? No, the dragon creature. Oh. Anyways, Podquesters, Fridays, only on NewRadioMedia.com. Folks, we're back. New Radio Media, Real Estate Realities. We are excited to be here. I think we are, uh, we're waiting for our guest to call in. I'm yeah. not sure. He'll be in, in a minute. Oh, okay. But, uh, you know, everybody thinks that, like, uh, you, as, like you were just telling me over oh. the break. This is why I don't complain, do retail right? work. Yeah. Right, not to complain, but let's yeah. complain a little bit. Okay. You're not complaining. You go first. You're just explaining. Nothing. It's just uh, I'm, I'm definitely not complaining. I'm, I'm <laughs> grateful for the work. But, uh, okay. I, um, I just find it. Always interesting that people think that I work at a McDonald's or I'm in fast food because you know, push uh, your button and get it. Yeah, like uh, I need answer. this. I need this writ of eviction. Well, okay, where have you been for two weeks? Uh, now you need it. And when do you need it by? You know, yesterday. yesterday. <laughs> right. Amazing. It's it's incredible. Like they think you have a magic wand, and I'm not complaining, but it's like let's be realistic. Uh, you know that that's something about like with the business of. Um, just the business of the internet and things are so fast oh. that people think you can just conjure it up. Yeah, they think that you should, you know, you you pay for some uh, online advertising. They press a button and but bam. At, at the same time, it works out well for people who are good entrepreneurs and who are patient because you know that things don't happen quickly. Sure. So, in fact, speaking of things that don't happen quickly, uh, you know, that's a terrible segue. But uh, Rick uh, Webster is going to be on the line. I don't know if he's on. Rick, Rick, are you there? Hello, Rick Webster. Yeah, David. Hey, Rick. So, Rick, I introduced you kind of before you even came on the line. Um, uh, Rick is uh, the CEO of Renify. And uh, meet Dylan, Rick. Can you hear him? Hey, Can Rick. Him? How are you? Hello, Dylan. Hello. I'm good. Good. Good yeah. to meet you. So, Rick, we were talking just about entrepreneurs in general and real estate and how, mm -hmm. you know, things evolve, um, you know, with business and the business of real estate. And when I met you several years ago, I, I don't know if you're still doing uh, the type of work that you were doing earlier, but maybe you could tell us um, how your business has kind of evolved for, for people who are looking to get into the real estate business, et cetera, uh, to understand that it's a, it's a process. It's not something that's done overnight. Um, when we were talking initially, uh, you, were, you were working with people on buying homes uh, or, or putting them in homes on land contract. Is that my understanding? Is that what you were doing? Absolutely. Land contract and mortgage, uh -huh. depending on what they wanted, we could go either way. And you had a, like a unique platform. You would, you would really. You're out in California, right? So absolutely, right outside of San Francisco. But you, your playground really in real estate for the Midwest is Michigan. Is that correct? Yes. Okay. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. And so you're a realtor too, aren't you? I've been a realtor since 1981. So wow. when you say things move slowly and evolve, uh -huh. you know that's how long it's taken me to get here. So <laughs> it's not an instant process. No. And um, your platform, from what I remember, is that you would uh, you would really secure homes for people who could not otherwise purchase them uh, through the banks. Is that it? How did that work? Pretty much. Okay. Pretty much. We we saw. You know, you're always looking for a niche. And we right. saw that a lot of people in this economy were 
I'm getting some feedback, I guess. A lot of people in this economy couldn't purchase a home because of what we consider to be fairly minor credit blemishes and mm-hmm. such. So we came up with a program where we would fill that niche. Pardon me? No, you no we're listening. Oh. We're listening. You don't have okay, you don't have the, the radio or, or you're not listening to yourself on the show right now, are you? No, I didn't think no, so. I'm not, but it get a little feedback, but that's okay. okay. I'll live through that. <laughs> I don't think so you could. what we would do in a nutshell is uh-huh. we would – the people would go to the open market uh-huh. uh, through their own realtor and buy a home, find a home they wanted. We would purchase it for cash for them, and then we'd turn around on pre-arranged terms, uh, namely a 17-year fully amortized loan with 10 or 15% down, and we would finance it for them. Mm-hmm. And then the component, which I thought would make it all work, um, was that we would immediately go to work educating and mentoring them on financial money management so we can get them qualified uh, on FHA refi to recycle our money and so that they could fly straight and level and own their own home, which is the primary difference between the haves and the have-nots in this country right. by a factor of 35 to 1. But, hmm. So then um, yeah. you were you you had a vested interest not only in the home, but then you also had a vested interest in working with them to have them refinance out of the loan, correct? Absolutely. Our entire goal was to get them flying straight and level and mm-hmm. owning that home in a, in a sustainable way. And then obviously, as a business, you, if you, your business doesn't run, you can't help anybody. Mm-hmm. So we need to recycle that money, make sure that it got paid properly, mm-hmm. that we didn't lose too much, you know, that kind of thing. So certainly there's a, a business side of this. So and a majority of those people, to. did they take, did they, they took advantage of the opportunity that you gave them, would you say, or in general? I, I would absolutely say that, yeah. yeah. And it was a bumpy ride because uh-huh. people are on the lower rungs of the ladder have a hard time. But, but yeah, no, we have a lot of pretty satisfied, you know, I've got some letters of gratitude, which actually mean a lot to me from uh-huh. people. Um, in, in our new iteration of Renify, one of those people actually works for us now. So it's pretty exciting. Really? That's interesting. Yeah. So what's Renify do? Uh, currently, uh, I mean, so within that niche, then you developed a new niche, right? I mean, you found an, uh, even a, a bigger need to fill. Would that be? Yeah, yeah. Community finance, which is what we're talking about, socially conscious investments in community uh-huh. finance, has been kind of partitioned off. Uh, I've got some other people working on that, and if they make it fly, I'm happy. If not, mm-hmm. I'll be okay with letting some of that go. But what we realize in this process, and it is an evolution, is that while owning a home is huge for people, by a factor of 35 to 1, I can explain that later if you want. Sure. But in terms of getting a, a step on the ladder, if they don't have the financial knowledge and money management part of that education isn't there, they're actually worse off than if they never met us in the first place because that house becomes an albatross around their neck. Right. So what we decided, and there, what we decided is that we would regroup, so to speak, and create a financial literacy platform online um, called Ranify.com, mm-hmm. and we would concentrate on that. And once we get people flying with their own, basically the idea is to take our money knowledge and plant it into their lives. That's the idealistic version of it. Um, and if we can do that, then heck, they can go buy their own house, piece uh-huh. of cake. Um, so are, they, are, they, are you helping them then finance the home then thereafter? Like if they're if they succeed if they graduate your program, are they coming to you then for financing? 
that that's an expectation. Uh-huh. It won't matter to me where, where they go. What matters to me is that they're able to go somewhere and, and buy a home. So would it be safe? That, that is the final goal. Okay. So would it be safe then to say that you started like we're talking about the evolution of business and you know the real estate business? You started really initially investing in real estate and helping people, um, you know, secure. Uh, really, it would be called seller financing. And then you saw mm-hmm. an, uh, another niche, which this is a sign of a really good entrepreneur. I mean, I've, I've always seen that when you can grow organically and you find other niches within your your current niche and you can make those work, that's pretty cool. So you're taking an educational component of, uh, of what you learned when you were selling these homes to homeowners or, you know, yep. uh, potential buyers. And now you're making a business out of the financial education market correct yes. i mean okay yes yeah you know it's interesting cause the idea was incubating a long time ago when i realized that the financial education business could dwarf anything we were doing with the real estate you know buying houses and such wow but that's awesome. really since my history is real estate and lending right you know it's kind of kind of tunnel tunnel vision a little bit um but but yeah I mean, we're we're mission driven more than anything else. Uh, obviously, we need to make money, or you can't you can't help people if you don't make money. So you you've got to make that part of it work. But we're really mission driven, which is ultimately to turn as many people into homeowners as possible. So do they have to come to you initially already with the idea that they're going to buy a home? They already have that in mind. Um, no. Okay. No. If they come to community finance or socially conscious investments, yes, they come through their realtor who says, hey, these guys just got rejected at Bank of America. What can you do? And if we decide that they're a quality um, applicant, Uh we would make our arrangements with them to purchase a house for them. Okay. But but Renify has nothing to do with that. Well, right. And so, like, it's really interesting. You're putting more positive spin on financial uh, planning and, and home investment because what it, like there's a number of uh, financial what do they call them? I, I, there's one right now like Co- HUD like counseling. Yeah, they're like yeah. counseling services. Like when people are losing a home or or having problems making a payment on a house. There there's tons of those, but it sounds like it's more like a, a preemptive or prophylactic. Not even that. I think it's more like uh, prospective homeowners. We're giving you the tools you need to go out and buy the house. Financially, well, and I'll, yeah, and I'll tell you how that is connected, because we're okay. in the process. We're just launching. We're in the process of building affiliate relationships with various entities. Mm-hmm. Some of those will be mortgage companies, uh-huh. and mortgage companies have a loss mitigation department. And one mortgage company we're talking to has three hundred thousand mortgages. At any given time, probably mm-hmm. fifteen hundred of those are in default, mm-hmm. and they would be sent. They would send their people to us mm-hmm. as a training portal. We will, and as part of their agreement with the bank or the mortgage company to get a forbearance agreement to put some of their payments in arrears and get them straightened out again, mm-hmm. part of their deal, the hoop they have to jump through, would be get Renify training. So we would hopefully send people back who are in default, send them back to the mortgage company with more knowledge. So listen. So when they do cure their default, it stays cured. Okay. So, I mean, that's. That's really uh, that's something I did not know. That's really interesting. What we're going to do, Rick, when, uh, if you stay in the line when you, we come back from our break, we want to talk to you a little bit more of like how you do that. And um, sure, okay, I appreciate it. So, uh, and it's really interesting, right, Dylan? I, I mean, love it. It's a completely different component. So when we get back, um, uh, David Sobel, Dylan Tanaka here at New Radio Media, Real Estate Realities. We'll talk with Rick Webster from Renify. 
As a business owner, you're always looking to save money and cut costs where you can. And if you advertise on radio or television, you know it can get pretty pricey. If radio and TV aren't delivering like they promised, and you're looking for a more reasonably priced way to get your message to the masses, got an answer for you. New Radio Media. With live streaming and on-demand programming, your message can be seen throughout the day and you can worry a little less about cutting those costs. For more information, go to newradiomedia.com or call Buzz Van Houten at 248-939-9999. A study from Johns Hopkins researchers indicates a high-fat diet may lead to the development of new nerve cells in your brain that influence how much you eat. But it's also been known for decades that the brain continues to form new nerve cells well into adulthood. So for now, it appears the process occurs not only in the parts of your brain associated with memory and a sense of smell, but also in the ones that control your various body functions, including hunger and thirst. One researcher believes that your brain functions this way as part of your body's survival mechanism. When food is abundant, it generates cells that will make you eat more and make you store excess calories as fat for use when food is not readily available. But the problem with humans, particularly those in developed countries, is that food is almost always readily available. So the more you eat, the more fat you store, and the greater becomes your appetite. With another prescription for your health, I'm Dr. Jim Bragman. All right, folks, we're back. New radio media, real estate realities. Um, Rick, this is Dylan, and um, I, I wanted to uh, bring up a couple things uh, listening to you talk there. I think it's really exciting that you're doing the financial literacy, something that I do. I've been, um, I've been a part of a nonprofit for a decade now, uh, and it's called Winning Futures, and um, I'm a high school mentor for seniors, and we teach a lot of financial literacy and probably a, a very light version of, of what you're teaching folks, but in the public schools, this just isn't taught. So when these kids get out and they graduate, they just don't know what to do. And then they're thrown into college and they open up credit cards and, you know, we know the whole story. So, um, I guess tell, tell us a little bit more about how the program works. Well, first of all, that is, that is one of my pet peeves in high school, college, even we're not taught this stuff. You know, I know more about algebra and geometry and calculus than in terms of what I was taught. The, all the financial stuff I had to either get it from my family, which a lot of people don't, I was fortunate, um, or you got to go out in the real world. And these days, with so much marketing out there, there's just so much noise; it's almost impossible. A lot of noise. To figure it out before you end up in debt. Um, yeah. The uh, reality so, of real estate is that if you don't have a program that he's going to, you know, he's about to describe. It will hit you smack dab in the face, and you will regret it if you don't know how to handle your mortgage payments. Sure. If you don't yeah. know how to handle your finances yeah. when it comes to a house. 
So. And that's part of the evolution here is because mm-hmm. I've been there. I, I've been in foreclosure. I've been in, down all these long roads, and you know, you don't, you get kind of blindsided by it. So we hope to um, short circuit that for people and get them on track quicker before they end up with a quarter million dollars of student debt, for example. Is that like the number one problem that you're seeing is uh, in your business is uh, student debt? Because that's a, obviously a real hot-button topic. But is that the number one issue for people, student loans? It's probably up there. Uh-huh. I have four millennial kids, and uh-huh. so I understand all their friends are mired down in debt and stuff. And, and you know, it's it's gruesome. And some of this debt can't be discharged. You know, right. you're the attorney. You can right, say better than I can, but right. some of it you can't discharge. Right. You're stuck with it. Uh-huh. So, and obviously that impacts your debt ratio when it comes to buying a home. I wish Emil were here. He could explain that part a little bit more. Emil's our broadcast partner from Lakeshore Credit Union, Lake Lake Michigan Credit Union. Lake Michigan Credit Union. I I just like going to Lakeshore. I apologize. But uh, Lake Michigan Credit Union. And... um, but uh, I'm, I'm sure he would agree with you that student loans are a you know, big problem. What else is a, a problem with regards to financing a home or just getting your finances in order? Well, credit card debt is, is really high. I saw some really gruesome statistics on that, how much people owe in general. The average American, 70% are living paycheck to paycheck. So they're one little emergency away from insolvency and problems. So it's, it's amazing. Well, saving is savings like, is discouraged in this country. Do you set up an account for savings? them? Yeah, savings. It absolutely is. Sure, Rick. Yep. Do you help these people set up an account? Like, how do you help them? I, even though they're not coming with the intention of buying a home, like you said earlier, that's not really our first focus. It really is just to give them financial, you know, guidance yes. and to you yep. know instill good financial habits. What um, what do you do, uh, or what do they do with you initially when they come in? Do they set up a budget? How does this all work? Absolutely. So we're we're just launching. We're just okay. getting this off the ground. Okay. But we have classes such mm. as um, how to deal with your student debt or how to avoid it altogether in the first place, and mm. classes such as that. Um, some of them are pre-recorded. Some of them will be live. We are, it's a three-pronged approach. Uh-huh. We'll also have speakers, which we already have lined up, and I think the next one might actually start this Sunday. Not uh-huh. sure. Um, but those speakers will come in and talk about a relevant topic and hopefully make it exciting and engaging uh-huh. because when you're online, that's your only hope. Otherwise, they tune out and they go about and they don't learn anything. So we're going to have well-known speakers, book authors and such uh-huh. as that come in, and then we'll have secondary classes for that that they can watch, little videos, four uh-huh. or seven-minute videos they can watch. And then the third leg of the stool is really what I call hosted video chat rooms, uh-huh. And David, you're on a short list. We we expect to have, huh. you know, once a week or whatever. We're going to uh-huh. have a particular person come in and host a one-hour uh, video chat room. Oh sure. Where make our it, make it two hours. Can come in. <laughs> yeah. <two> hours. <laughs> <laughs> How about a week? How about a week? Yeah. yeah. So where they can come in and say, my gosh, I just got a notice of default in the mail. I don't mm-hmm. know what to do about it. Right. They can go look at the schedule and say, when's that bankruptcy attorney coming back? Oh, there's David Sobel. I liked him right. last time. Let's. And so they can put that on a calendar. We can send them a reminder, uh-huh. and then they can show up and ask you the questions that they need to ask That's about what to do about this notice of default or whatever uh-huh. their crisis is at the moment. Do, there's so much. Our goal is to pull people out of crisis right. and get them in a stable uh-huh. posture. So, do they have? I mean, are the, what about like young people? I like one of the young ladies in my office just got engaged, and they're, you know, uh, mm-hmm. going to start, you know, looking for a house, etc. So. What if they're not in a crisis? I mean, can they just find – do they have to be in a crisis mode or a critical no. situation in order to enroll in this type of program? Or 
not at all. Okay. I anticipate that the lion's share of people will be in some kind of crisis because it's pain that drives people. Right. So I suspect that. Right. But no, we're in any business, especially a startup, you have to choose a target audience. You can't just say, hey, we're financial literacy for everybody because right. no one will see themselves in the marketing and uh -huh. no one signs up. So our initial target audience uh -huh. is actually well-educated millennials. Isn't it and amazing how this came out of real estate, Rick? Like, you know, just all your real estate <laughs> endeavors that like this came out. So you must have had a lot of, I mean, I've known you for the past several years, and I know you're a very uh, consistent and, and kind uh, and very smart investor. That I know for sure. So the question I have is what were the, what were the frustrations that you, and we talk about this a lot on the show, is what were the frustrations you, you encountered as an investor? It seems like not getting your payments, let's say, or you know, people avoiding making payments. Because you were, you know, you were doing your program more or less as a land contract seller, so I'd have to yep. assume that was your biggest, you know, frustration, right? That's what led to this. Well, kind of. We're we're mission driven again. Right. Not, I mean, we want to make a profit. Don't get me wrong. I'm okay. not saying we don't. Right. But we're mission driven. Uh -huh. So the biggest frustration to me was not not getting payments. The mm -hmm. biggest frustration to me was when people couldn't make their payments, mm -hmm. we were forced in the situation of foreclosing or, you know, basically, you know, telling them they gotta they gotta go. Mm -hmm. And that just like firing someone is the worst thing about being in business. Right. So you want to avoid that at all costs uh -huh. if you possibly can. But since we were dealing with marginal borrowers, you, you couldn't avoid it. Mm -hmm. You know, we were it's a catch twenty two. You want to help people at the lower end of the ladder, but they're the ones at most risk. Mm -hmm. So when you have your money buried into their house, mm -hmm. um, you know, it's it's really stuck there. How have you how have like you I found said, Detroit real estate? I'm sorry, I, I just I just talked over no. you. I didn't realize that. Go ahead. So you were saying? I forgot, but okay. I can tell you how we got to Detroit. Yeah, how'd you so get to Detroit? I, yeah, I've been in real estate lending for since 1981, um, and it's been good to me. Mm -hmm. It's it's it's. I'll tell your investors, you got to learn how to pivot. So mm -hmm. you've got to know. People say you need to be persistent. Mm -hmm. You ask, You also have to know when you're beating your head against a brick wall and you have to pivot and do something that, that's actually going to work. Mm -hmm. So uh, some number of years, probably 20, I guess, 15 or 20 years ago, had kind of a financial meltdown of my own because mm -hmm. um, I tend to build things straight up as opposed to a wide foundation. Mm -hmm. So we had that problem. I've learned that lesson now, I hope. Uh -huh. um, and so I was looking to kind of reinvent myself. I said, you know, what do I know? I'm not a rocket scientist. I know real estate and lending, mm -hmm. know a certain amount about mental health and psychology. So those are kind of my background things. And I said, okay, I'm going to do real estate. Where's the worst market in the country? Sorry, David, but it, you're in it. <laughs> so it, it may now be the worst market. It's the gift that keeps on giving. It may be, <laughs> yeah, it may be Atlanta or uh, some other, but they were really hit hard oh, sure, by right. various things. Right. Yeah. So, so we looked at that and crisis equals opportunities. It's kind of one of those truisms. Mm -hmm. So we looked at it and I was out shopping for to actually to buy property and, and to renovate it, which is what I knew how to do mm -hmm. to get myself completely going again um, and kind of mentally, emotionally going again. Mm -hmm. So then we were out there looking at properties and it just didn't set right. And one of the realtors mentioned something about land contracts, which I had not heard of before, even though I'd been in real estate out here in California. Right. Essentially, it's very much like a lease option from my perspective. And I realized that, hey, we can actually get someone to own their own home, which is far better for them than renting, and make money at the same time. And we buy the house, we mark it up a little bit, we get interest, and we can you know, create our own kind of secondary market for these things, which proves to be very difficult. Um, 
but I just I realized we could do something good and make money at exactly the same time. And our process was clean. We didn't have to worry about repairing someone's water heater or toilet in the middle of the night because they own a house. Right. They're responsible for it. So it works. They're responsible. That makes people better citizens. Mm. And they get the value of the increased appreciation as things go up. And as you know, real estate in Detroit has gone way up. And and it was predictable. It was predictable. It had gone so far down, there was nowhere to go but up. Well, you also said the psychology. Like It's just interesting you talk about land contracts, which lately we've been talking about is very popular. Very popular. And uh, we talk about more and more these days. But the land contract, what you're doing is you're giving these people, you're giving people the opportunity for ownership. So it's like the pride of ownership. It's not just the fact that yep. you're you're offsetting the risk in the land contract. You're offsetting all the ownership risk te- technically. You're saying to the buyer, you, yep. you're responsible for taxes. You're responsible for all these things related to maintenance. I don't want to hear from you. Just make your payment. That's pretty much what it is. Um, yep. it, has some, it, it does have, as you know, Rick, it does have some uh, legalities that uh, surround it and, and regulate it. But... Um, Yep. So it did sound like, and it does, it still is a great opportunity. If you give somebody the opportunity to buy a land contract, you're giving them, um, you know, the opportunity not to have a, a regular mortgage because perhaps their debt uh, ratios are yep. out uh, or their credit's not good. But that's smart. You just basically found somebody who has an incentive to make the payments, and Absolutely. you don't have to deal with anything. You just And you found a home that was already clean and ready to go because you're buying it, right? You're buying it off the market. Uh, it's a retail market. You're buying it. Right. Well, actually, yeah. And my previous model mm-hmm. was buy a house that needed a lot of work because frequently the seller is more motivated. Sometimes they'd even carry the financing, depending on what era we're in. Right. They carry the financing. We go in, we clean it all up, we get it fixed, and then we rent it out. Mm. And then the ideal thing is to sell the property in California anyway on a lease option basis and say, hey, you make your rent payments for the next 36 months. You know, chip in another five thousand worth of down payment, and you'll actually own this house. And that's in contract. So from day one, they know if they jump through all the hoops, they'll own the house. And as long as you're a reputable landlord, you put together a lease option that they can actually perform on. It all works. Works really well. Yeah, I mean, it sounds. And then, and then, um, did you do any commercial deals or just only residential stuff? Well, we did a couple. You know, I. You know, as the as the CEO guy, sometimes I'm looking at the 30,000-foot view of the business and such, even though we're very small, so I'm in mm-hmm. the trenches too. But, yeah, we had a guy out there, which you know is named Sean, um, and he found a couple of deals that he wanted to do himself. Mm-hmm. Um, and I said, sure, we'll fund those, which we worked out to a greater or lesser degree. Uh-huh. Did you <laughs> but, ever you go? Know, I wanted to yeah, go ahead. kind of help him build his little real estate empire and uh-huh. get himself started. Um, so, yeah, we were a couple of commercial I guess you'd call them commercial. They're small apartment complexes. Uh, so, like you're out, you're out in California, and you're starting this business here in Michigan. How many did you look at every deal that you know came came your way? Meaning, did you go out to the property, or like when somebody was finding the deal? Um, I guess when we come back, we can discuss a little bit further. But what I'm really looking to know is, did you look at every deal that came across your desk? Uh, if somebody said, hey, I found a house I want to see, did you have to go see it? Or did you just trust the appraisal and trust the realtor over the phone and online? I guess you we know, can talk- I learned a long time ago, trust yeah. doesn't enter into it. Oh, okay. <laughs> is it more like yeah. trust but verify, right? 
You looked at every house? Well, yeah, yeah. You look at what's on there. If it's attractive on the paper, mm-hmm. then you take another step and you see, you know, is it really attractive when you dig into it? Mm-hmm. Had a very small team on the ground out there of people that I did trust. Right. And, you know, in one case, Bill, I said, hey, Bill, this looks like a deal we're going to make. I need you to go out there and make an appointment and gotcha. get inside that house and take a look at it, send us pictures. He was an ex-property inspector. He used to work for the city of Detroit, actually. Oh, okay. So I, I trusted him. He knew what he was doing. Trust, trust so, is part of the business, but not all of the business. So we gotta, we're going to go uh, real briefly to a break, and then when we come back, we can talk a little bit more about your uh, your platform there, Rick Webster. And uh, this is Dave Sobel with New Radio Re- Media and uh, Real Estate Realities and Dylan Tanaka. Hi, I'm Andy. And I'm David. Join us for fun and adventure on our new show, PodQuest where we fight through imaginary battles and pray to the dice gods for good rolls. Yes, it's an epic, sweeping adventure where we try to fulfill our destinies without driving the Dungeon Master crazy. I thought that was the point. Anyways, check us out here on NewRadioMedia.com Fridays, PodQuesters. See you there. What's going on in your neighborhood? They say it takes a village. It's the simple things. The things that are a testament to the old. The things that are a testament to the new. Know what's going on in your community. Check out our community channel on newradiomedia.com. And action. And millions of ducks. You guys go to newradiomedia.com. The Arts and Entertainment Channel on New Radio Media. Dot. It's all about you, and that's the way we like it. Where you're going. What you do to stay fit. What you're eating. What you're thinking. And how you're feeling. Join the conversation at NewRadioMedia.com's Lifestyles channel. Stream like you want to live. Folks, we're back. New Radio Media, Real Estate Realities. We're on the we're on the uh, the line here with Rick. This is Dylan Tanaka, David Sobel, and and Rick. Really quick, you know, David and I were speaking during the the the, um, the commercial break there, and you know, we were talking about the whole trust but verify thing. And and um, in my uh, in my fifteen or seventeen years of business, what wisdom, is it? Fifteen or seventeen? 
I bought my first uh-huh. rental house 15 slash 16 years ago. Okay. So I keep thinking it's 17. I don't okay. know why. But um, o- over my over my, my small uh, amount of time in business here on my own, it seems like that trust but verify seems to creep up more and more. And um, it's very noble the way that uh, that you described, you know, how, how you run your business. But um, it is hard, though, uh, having long-term relationships with people. And at some point, you do have to kind of – be able to guy that that can come in and drop the hammer. Yeah, so you're speaking in terms of employees and the contractors. Yeah, I mean, tenants, even or? so, I've had a lot of uh, lease options and and um, and uh, yeah. land contracts. I've bought and sold hundreds of properties. And uh, when I started, it, it, like I said, I had this altruistic vision of of someone just yeah. you know dashing me a check every month and saying, "Here you go, son." And then I found out oh, the yeah. truth. They were paying him in pennies, Rick. right? Rick, I don't know if you know this, but uh, Dylan's <laughs> Dylan's mea culpa was that his first his first deal that he ever had, where he was collecting rent, his tenants used to throw bags of pennies, uh, equating to the rental amount or payment, down at him, yeah. <laughs> for him to pick up on yeah. the sidewalk. <laughs> oh yeah, well, anybody who's been in the rental business has come across the tenant from hell. It's just how it is, and and, and you're right. Sometimes you got to draw a harder line. Um, what I've found in general works really well, and I know you've got a lot of newer investors that are just trying to figure out how, to, how all this stuff works. If you, if you treat people as fairly as you can, they, that will come back to you. If you try to make a million dollars on every deal, and you're only going to get the people who are either desperate or they're scamming you in reverse kind of thing. So just take bite-sized bites at the apple. If you buy a rental house, rent it for slightly below market value, you'll get a great tenant. It'll be a long-term tenant. Sell it to them on a lease option or something, a contract, and move on to the next property. Don't try to make a zillion dollars off of one little deal. I think that's really great uh, wisdom to impart. That's Um, a golden rule. Yeah, you know, we talk, I, I try to teach people. I, I started a, a real estate investment club years and years ago, a decade ago, um, called the RIA of Macomb. And I don't know if you have RIAs out there, if you know what they are, Rick, but they're Real Estate Investor Association. So we, we get together, you know, and we have speakers and that kind of thing. And I do speak to a lot of new people. So I try to teach them, especially these young guys who get excited from watching too many YouTube videos. And I tell them, yep. you can't be a head chopper because if you cut the head off of your client, they can't ever come back. So you have to be a partner with with your customer um, or, or vice versa. And I've been dealing with, uh, you know, with buyers who've bought properties for me for a long, long time now and trust me 100%. And that means so much more throughout the years than the one time where you make 20 or 30 grand when you should have only made 10 or 15. Yeah, absolutely. And and if you are overreaching, you won't get the good tenants because they can go wherever they, wherever they want. You will only get the bad tenants who can't go somewhere else, and then your life will be miserable. Um, your, your place is better off empty than with a bad tenant, and if you'll just take your time, pick a good tenant, give them a decent deal, you know, slightly below market is my, my mantra, um, you'll have them there for years. Right. I always wonder about – I mean, that's really an excellent point. If, I mean, if I was going to get a takeaway from today's episode, that would be one of them because I do know so many clients of mine that have – long-term tenants you know we're, we're I'm redrafting a lease and i'm looking at the lease and the lease is like 10 years old i'm like wow we've had these people a long time actually had a client that had somebody in their their home for seriously over 18 years mm-hmm. was paying and um 
they were on like a land contract and they could have refinanced out. Sure. But the borrower was like, no, or the buyer was like, no, I really, I really like Mr. Smith and sure. I don't want to go anywhere. And I'm like, really at 11%, you like him that much. But that's the thing. Yeah. There are people who just, you know what, they're treated so well, they have no reason to go elsewhere. And I agree with that, Rick. I think it's really good. You know, you gotta, you gotta treat people well. Uh, you gotta treat people fairly. Uh, never hurts to treat them well sometimes too. Right. Well, and you feel better about who you are as a mm-hmm. person. It, it all circles around. It's all in one big matrix, and tweaking one part affects everything else. So, yeah, I, you know, maybe it's a cliche. It definitely is. But birds of a feather flock together. If you want good tenants, you got to be a good landlord. Yeah, and I, I think um, you guys from California get to have a much more laid-back attitude than, than us guys here in the trenches in Detroit sometimes too, Rick. I, I say that in jest, of well. course. <laughs> We're just Maybe. jealous. We're just jealous. A one bedroom, a one bedroom apartment in San Francisco is like thirty five hundred dollars a month. Wow. So yeah, it's not California. That sounds fair. It's not the uh, Shangri La people think it is. Mm-hmm. We recently came dead last, I think, on the happiness scale of all the states. Really? Wow. Our educational system is like number forty seven. Okay. Just barely ahead of Mississippi, I think, and maybe Arkansas. Um, so. So, yeah, this is... <laughs> oh, well, this it, is news it, to me. We love Detroit. Right, we love Detroit. Hey, Rick, um, I just want to let you know, I want to thank you very much for joining us. Um, and uh, we'd like to have you back on again soon when you uh, when uh, Renify is up and running and you can give us you know uh, an update Absolutely. as to how it's going. I appreciate it. So thanks very much for uh, sharing your time with us, okay? Yep, thank you, okay. David and Dylan. Thank you. Yes, sir. Okay. All right, so um, before we... Head out. Anything else you need to say? No, we got to say hi to uh, to Nancy Phillips, of course, yeah. a proven resource, yeah. and uh, the real deal, Emil Israeloff of yeah. Lake Michigan Credit Lake Union, Michigan, right. the greatest credit union of all time. How do you get in touch with you? How do people get in touch with you? You guys can find me at www.riaofmacomb.com. Okay. And then you can reach me, David Sobel, at provenresource.com, uh, or you can go to Sobel on mobile, and uh, 888-789-1715. Thanks for joining us again at uh, New Radio Media and Real Estate Realities. Have a great weekend. Enjoy.